how am I, who am I to start this business? How am I going to grow this business? What is it going to look like? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to have employees? How am I going to do all these things that by the way, in that moment, I didn't need to know, but your brain has this way of like thinking too big, right? So this idea of taking one small step really helped me um, manage my emotions. Welcome to Unstoppable. The podcast for anyone who believes that their past and current circumstances do not define their future potential. I'm Karina Burton, your host and co-founder of CPR Construction Cleaning. This show is a series of profounding conversations that share stories and experiences of unstoppable people. Those who are willing to change, discover what it means to be aligned, and who are also willing to face tough challenges that stand between them and their dreams. As a coach and marketing expert, I live my life believing that I am unstoppable. Now I want you to know that you are unstoppable too. Hello, and welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. Today's guest is Van La Dimon, who's the founder of WorkSmart, a progressive team and leadership development that activates creativity and experimental learning to enrich company culture, and skyrocket performance. She was born in Vietnam and raised in Southern California. After her family fled Vietnam as war refugees, Fun watched her parents pave a new life for themselves. She watched firsthand how creative thinking, innovation, and curiosity can help people overcome their circumstances. She studied psychology at the University of California in Santa Barbara and earned her MBA from Pepperdine University. With over 17 years of corporate and startup experience, Vun actively works to rewrite the way we apply creativity in the workplace, instilling brave thinking in clients who are willing to disrupt traditional thinking. Thank you so much, Vaughn, for joining the Unstoppable podcast. Hi, Karina. This has been already just a, the prep show we did was so fun. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. <gasps> I know you're such a fascinating and very intriguing person. And I'm so excited to dive in deeper and learn more about you and how you've become this unstoppable person. With that, what would you say has been one of the most king moments in your life that has developed your unstoppable story? Oh my, you know what? There's been so many, I would say, um, the way I was raised, I want to say it was a moment, but I'm sure we'll get into the story, but um, we are Vietnamese refugees. My family came here at the fall of Saigon in 1975. I was just a two-year-old baby, but I kind of grew up in relentlessness, right? I grew up in this in an environment where you just had to survive. So I think being unstoppable was part of my life very early on. That is so fascinating to know, you know, how people can shift their perspective because some people can go through those really trying and scary, pivotal moments in their life and very young, and it can really um, devastate them, right? They can take that as um, the reason why they haven't succeeded and you and your family have taken it the opposite direction. It's empowered you. It's made you become unstoppable and then relentless, right? Where you're yes. like, I, there's nothing that you cannot do, which is so empowering. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about that story and, and your family being refugees and, and coming to America from Vietnam. 
Sure. So um, I was born in Saigon, what was Saigon, and and my dad was a colonel in the South Vietnamese Air Force. We lived on the Air Force base. And we, when, when, the, when Saigon fell to the Communist Party back in 75, there was very little time to leave the country. So it was a mass exodus, very similar to what we saw in Afghanistan recently. And we were one of the fortunate ones who were able to get out through an airplane um, on the Air Force Base. And our first home here was at Camp Pendleton Marine Base in San Diego. So the Marines helped us out. They built tents for us to live in. They clothed us. They, you know, they, they even opened a little school for us. And they really just helped us in, in that first part of our transition. And after that, we were sent to, and, and again, just in that, just in that relentlessness, like if you think about literally within hours, leaving your home with nothing, right? Leaving your home with just your children and nothing else, not knowing where you're going to go. And fortunately, we did have the help of the U.S. military. So after Camp Pendleton, we were transferred to a refugee integration center up in Northern California. And it was, just, it was run by civilians. So then we had all these civilians come out and volunteer to help our family um, and the other families there. And I think when you say like why I went, it was like, a, it seemed like such a hopeless situation and yeah. why for, for me and my family, um, I learned how to excel and be relentless and be unstoppable through it is because of this initial story. Like it was just, it was built into my DNA at a very early age. So at that camp, um, there was a woman who was volunteering there who her responsibility was to help these women at the camp find a career for themselves. And she happened to be a Hollywood movie star back then named Tippi Hedren. And her role was to help these women find a career. So she's like, what can we do that, that that's easy? So she's taught, so she's brought in someone to teach them typing and sewing. But they, the women, 20 women, including my mom, had this curiosity about her long red manicured nails. And rather than saying thank you for recognizing my nails, keep typing and sewing, Tippy took pause, paid attention to their curiosity, and she asked, like, well, what if? Like, what if we can actually get these women trained as manicurists? So she took a first small step and she brought up her local manicurist from Los Angeles, um, Dusty Cruz Butera, to teach them how to do a basic manicure. And for a few weeks, they just did this, you know, they, they learned how to do a basic manicure and they really enjoyed it. And Tippy almost did it as a hobby, right? Just like, well, you know, let's give them something fun to do. But they really enjoyed it. So she, she's like, what's, well, what's the next small step I can take? So she walked down to the local beauty school and said, you know, we have these 20 women here. They're only here for 10 weeks. They don't have any money. Most of them don't speak English. But is there any way you can take them on as students and get them licensed manicurists? And that beauty school said yes. So for 10 weeks, my mom and her friends went down to the school. 400 hours of, school, 400 hours of schooling later, um, they all took their manicure practicum and written test and passed. So they were the first 20 Vietnamese manicures in the United States. So, I mean, again, like I was too young to understand the story at that time, but the relentlessness of, of, of being able to get through that. And then even after that, right, like that's such a win. But then, you know, we were sponsored by a church in Santa Monica. Um, Tippy came to, my, to our house and, and took my mom salon to salon until she found her a job. And, and that's when I started recognizing things. Like my mom would take two buses to work every day, come home with $5 in her pocket, get back up the next day and go again. So just this idea of uh, like being unstoppable and not giving up, like, like to see that every day as a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, that mm -hmm. uh, was pretty incredible. And it's also really amazing to see that like 
it really took one person to believe in this group of people to really change the entire dynamics. And it, you know, for the listeners, while you're listening to this, like key into thinking, you know, if you ever have this intuition, like it's some intuitive feeling, maybe I should, or I could help someone. And maybe it feels so small and insignificant, right? She's just like, let's see what this can lead to. And it totally changed not only their lives, but almost the um, cultural demographic of, you know, this, this group of um, the community and what they do. And I mean, we know so the culture, there's so many people that have very successful businesses and very successful lives based around, you know, the beauty industry offering these services. And, you know, it's really cool to know that one person took that time out of their day, you know, to help and to do something. That's right. And like that whole, that whole idea of one act of kindness having a ripple effect, right? Like she didn't, she didn't intend to create this industry, but they they call her the God, the godmother of the Medicare industry, in the Vietnamese Medicare industry, because, you know, she heard what she really wanted to do was just give these women something to do and help these 20 families but 40 plus years later, the, manic, the Vietnamese manicure industry is worth $8.3 billion. And mm-hmm. that number is impressive. But what's really impressive is how many families she's helped, right? Yes. Just by one, that one act of kindness. Hundreds and thousands of families, including my own, right? Who, who, um, who were able to create a future for, their, for, for generations past that first generation mm-hmm. because of that one act of kindness. And like you said, you know, they, they your family took the biggest leap of faith with having nothing but what's on their back and then their their family to be able to completely change their life. So if you think, you know, your circumstances are fighting against you, you know, is it really or is it just fear, right? We have that lack of mindset. The things that really hold us back is not the lack of stuff or things or money or monetary it's the it's the lack of mindset and if you mm-hmm. feel like I don't have to have anything I'm just gonna do it and 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 I'm gonna achieve it you know that's what makes the difference between someone who you know has nothing and then someone who thinks they have nothing that you know to be right. able to take those next steps to achieve their their goals and their dreams or you know for you and your family, this sense of freedom of being able to live their life. Okay. I was going to say, it's funny you said that because yesterday I just, and I post this often, but there's like, um, it's a saying that I made a little painting of. Um, Every time I'm about to do something new, like I'm I'm actually taking some steps to grow my business now. And there's always fears involved with that. Mm -hmm. And so I always pull up this quote or this little painting I made. And it says, um, she believed she could, so she did. Yes. Right. So that whole idea, like you're saying, like the mindset of belief first. Mm-hmm. And you have to have that mindset first. And, yeah. you know, you got to build on that foundation before anything or, you know, when your hardships and hard circumstances come, it's just not going to work. And you're going to wonder why, like I've done everything, but yet your mindset is telling you something the complete opposite. And yes. yeah, that's really amazing to see you know, your family is a true testament of that. Okay, so you have experienced all this, but you also are a graduate of college and have your MBA at very prestigious schools. So, you know, how, how did that journey come, you know, from where you were growing up, 
you know, your mom getting $5 a day to attending these prestigious colleges that so many people today don't even have the opportunity. I know. And I, and I, and when you say that, I really have to like commend my parents and my dad and um, for exactly what you're talking about here, being unstoppable. I, and I, and these are things, these, some of these stories are stories I didn't learn until I was older, but here we are with Vietnamese refugees three, three years after coming to this country, my dad put us in Catholic school, right? He somehow figured out a way to get, go to that campus tell them their, our situation, get them the scholarships, get the scholarships we needed so we could attend Catholic school, right? Just unstoppable. And this idea of too, like uh, he was such a proud man, right? A, a, a Lieutenant Colonel of the South Vietnamese Air Force who lost everything, but was able to put away his ego and go in there and go into these places and ask for what his family needed. So that's being unstoppable too, right? Like not letting your yeah. ego get in the way. So, um, and then I, then I heard for high school, like I went, I w when I went to high school, I went to an all girls Catholic school here in Los Angeles. Um, but my dad had, I didn't realize I had visited several of them. And one of them was a very prestigious, very expensive school. And we, and you know, he sat in the office for hours waiting, like waiting for them to, to, to meet with him about scholarships, about financial aid, whatever it was. And, and just like knowing these stories about my dad, like, okay, so, so it wasn't like, it was like, yes, I had to get into these schools, but it was, his, he's the one that kicked down the doors for us. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yep. So that we, so that his family, his children can have a better future than, than he did. So I was sort of set up by my family, by my dad and my mom to have a good education. I went to a college prep high school. So when you say that though, like as a high schooler, you know, and, and like, and I was very, I was Americanized. I was, I was growing up in a Vietnamese family, but I was an American kid here since I was two mm -hmm. years old. So it was a very, I think, look back now and there was a lack of appreciation for any of it. It was sort of like, I went to school. I knew my next step was going to college. And of course I was like, UC Santa Barbara. That sounds like a really fun choice. Right. <laughs> um, and it was, and it was amazing school. I say psychology there. And and then I worked a couple years after that. I taught school, substituted, thought I was going to become a physical therapist, and then just decided to go get my MBA. And once again, that whole relentless mentality of it wasn't even an obstacle. It didn't seem like a huge obstacle to go get my MBA. Um, I'll tell you exactly what prompted me to. I was um, working in this physical therapy office and realized like this isn't really what I want to do. If I go to physical therapy school, I'm a physical therapist. And when I had that thought, I was driving home and an advertisement for Pepperdine's MBA, MBA program came on the radio. And I was like, I think I'm going to go do that. So I think like two or three weeks later, I went and took the, the, the GMATs or the tests I had to take and applied and did all, like just took all the small steps I needed to take and I got in. So it's like, it's like but you, again, going back to that whole idea of mindset, it wasn't even, yeah. I, I look back and I'm like, was it even in my head that it couldn't be accomplished. I don't think it was. You have just already had this underlying belief system, right? Which is something I think I, I try to teach my children to have this, you know, you can achieve anything. Like one of the things I actually tell my four-year-old or she's actually almost six. Wow. I'm a good mom. Uh. <laughs> I'm like saying she's four. But I've been telling her for years and I tell my, I've told my older girls, but I'm like, you're lucky. Oh my gosh. Like all the good luck happens to you. So she always tells me I'm lucky, huh, mama? I'm lucky. And I'm like, you are whenever you want something, you get it. 
And it's yeah. really just this mindset that you instill in your children. And sometimes like when you're growing up, you don't even appreciate because you don't even realize it until you really personally hit hardships or difficulties or crossroads or circumstances that kind of give you that like, uh, you know, the clouds open up and you see, you know, what yes. it really is that you're meant to be doing. But it's not until you have those moments personally that allow you to really see that. So let's kind of dive into that. You know, where where did you have these moments in your life that kind of made you realize like, you know, these are actually not even ultimately the things that I want to be doing because today you are this phenomenal, you know, artistic person that helps open up other people's minds of creativity, you know, mm -hmm. and, and really develop who they truly are behind all the things that maybe they were thought they were or taught that they were. Yeah. So, so it's so interesting what you just said, because, um, because a lot of what I just told you, going to UC Santa Barbara, getting my MBA, it it was always, it wasn't my dream, right? I think I was like following a path that was set out for me. Mm -hmm. And um, and then when you talk about too, this idea of like everything, everything to me seemed possible almost through a formula, right? Like, okay, this is what I want. Here's what I need to do. I just need to take these small steps and check off boxes until I get what I want, period. But- mm -hmm what you talk about your daughter, this idea of confidence, like I didn't grow up with confidence. I, it, it, like, it wasn't like, oh, um, my parents, like Vietnamese refugees, right? They didn't walk around saying like, I believe in you, you can do whatever you want. Like, no, work hard for what you want. And that's yeah. what I learned to do is work hard for what, um, work hard for my goals. And it really was not until well into adulthood that those goals became mine, right? I was always working hard and taking the steps to meet someone else's goal. Um, to impress someone else, whatever, whoever that might be, um, employers, my, my parents, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, so what you're talking about now is the work I do now is in team and leadership development um, through my company called WorkSmart. And I do it all through creativity. And and that I'm, I'm finally in a place in my life where I feel like I am doing what I should be doing. And all those things that came beforehand really feeds into into the work I do now, even though back then I couldn't see it, right? I'm like, I just kind of mm -hmm. was following these steps and doing what I felt I needed to do. Um, but everything that that I did has lined me up to do and to 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 have the skills and the qualifications and the exper expertise um, to do what I'm doing now. So so yeah, that's been it's been it's been an interesting process to to kind of look back at everything I've done and see like, oh, that that job really plays into what I'm doing now. So the lesson there for me is, is even when you think you're not in the right place, learn something from there, right? Take something that you can take with you. Yeah. So you worked in corporate for quite a bit. I did. Yes, I worked. Um, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, you know, how were you able to rip that Band-Aid off? Because a lot of people struggle with that. You are secure with a paycheck, corporate and then you're like, you know what? I'm going to let it go to then yes. become this entrepreneur and fulfill yeah. my dreams. And it, was, it, was, it was a process, right? Because the idea of this company, WorkSmart, had been in my head probably six to eight years before I ever started it. And um, so it took a while for me to get to a place where I was confident enough to leave my job. And I was comfortable enough, too. So I know a lot of people... Um, uh, like kind of um, 
romanticize this idea. Like I, I left my job and started this business. And I will have to say, like, I was in a place where I had enough savings. Um, you know, I had a husband who had a secured position in his, in his job where we talked about it and we were able to say, okay, so, um, so there's, there's things we'll be lacking, right? There's things we have to give up, but if you want to pursue this, we can make it work, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't this very romanticized, like, I'm just going to drop everything, live off the land and see how this <laughs> business goes, right? <laughs> But, you know, everyone's story and journey when it comes to that is totally different. And you know what? Honestly, though, it's, you know, for me, it was literally like drop everything and live off the land, so to speak. Yes. (laughs) I had to really like dig deep and have faith. But I honestly feel like the fear is still the same, right? Because my situation is totally different than your situation. But the reality of the fear is still the same. And so the fear of failure, the fear of not being able to achieve your goals, the fear of success, like all of these things are still exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And to be able to overcome that is such a difficult feat in itself, you know, being able to say, you know, I am going to overcome that. So what did you do for yourself to be able to start off because it always starts off really slow. You know, some, some people do get lucky and their first shot into becoming an entrepreneur, you know, they, they hit it big. It took me several years and several tries. And even today, like my business is not linear. I do, I, you know, I've done really great and I've had some really hard times and then I do great and I have hard times, you know, it's like, it's not linear, but you know, for you, what did you do for your mindset or or maybe actionable goals that you've done to overcome those those obstacles? So when I first started my business, I I took a class called it was it was a creative coaching class, and I met a gentleman there who was one of the speakers. His, his name is Dr. Robert Maurer, and he wrote a book called One Small Step Can Change Your Life: The Kaizen Way. And I will have to say that really propelled me into my business because um, because prior to taking that class and prior to meeting him, it just seemed like a lot, right? Like, how am I, who am I to start this business? How am I going to grow this business? What is it going to look like? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to have employees? How am I going to do all these things mm-hmm. that, by the way, in that moment, I didn't need to know but your brain has this way of like thinking too big, right? So this idea of taking one small step really helped me um, manage my emotions, manage my overwhelm, and and literally just take small little steps to start my business. And and that was very actionable, but it was also a mindset shift. And recognize, especially like, you know, I think go-getters, we want Mm -hmm. to plan ahead. We want to know what's next. We want to have the whole thing built. but in terms of my mindset too, realizing that it is in the small steps that the next small step shows up. I don't have to plan the next small step. Um, now in running the business now, I mean, I, it was a great way to get started and it helped me get to m- get my business to a certain point. But then, you know, now as it's growing six years into, it's like, okay, 
let me step back now and strategize a little bit, right? I can't keep running this as a one woman show. I have to bring in that bookkeeper. I have to bring in the social media specialist. I have to, um, I have to have things more organized, bring in collaborators, bring in program managers. And so I think at different stages in entrepreneurship, you need different things. And that first stage, I really needed to settle down, <laughs> just calm down and be okay with taking those small steps. And now, um, now that I have a foundation to grow from, I need to look forward and strategize on, on my growth. So give us a little bit of like insight and detail exactly. Like, I'd like to know kind of how you started and how you've evolutionized your business. So, you know, how did you get your, your feet into this whole realm of um, your creative okay. business? Yeah. Um, so I made it up, <laughs> like I just made it up. So my, my background is in, te- is in like development, talent development, leadership training. Um, all, so basically um, developing, pe- developing people in organizations. So I did that in, internally in a couple of different companies and it was all very dry to me. Here's your binder, stand in front of the room, read this, have them do this exercise and and it just, it was boring basically to me, but that's what I knew. And they were giving me a nice paycheck, but I had always been so creative. Like ever since I was a little girl, creativity was such a big part of my life. And I don't even, I don't even think artistry, just creative, coming with new ideas. Some of it was artistry, like painting my shoes when mom would buy me new shoes, painting my whole bunk bed, mur- like putting, making a mural of my bunk bed. Um, and creativity was always something that I felt was very much brought me a lot of joy. And when I first started this business, it wasn't called WorkSmart. It was called Craftivity Events. And it was this idea of bringing arts and crafts into the workplace. Um, and literally just like, hey, can I come in on a Friday afternoon and do this art project with, with your team? And surprisingly, everyone said no to that. <laughs> so it's like, um, but then my friend, and, and I would host them on my own too. I would create event rights and host these workshops, these artistic workshops at my friend's art studio where we would combine some sort of personal professional development topic with an art project. And that was like pulling teeth to like, you know, create an event, try to get people to show up. And I was doing that while trying to get in the corporate environment. And my next door neighbor worked at Google and she's like, we're doing a team development um, workshop. What can you do? So I did one from them for them. And I got one big, nice fat paycheck in the mail from Google. I'm like, okay, this is that first of all, the people in that room, um, it made me realize that corporate does need this, right? The, the joy it brought people to get their hands on some creative materials, think differently was really encouraging. And I have to admit, getting that fat paycheck in the mail was very encouraging as well. <laughs> this is a, a reminder. This is worth yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, because honestly, those, those, like, those backyard workshops like where I was uh, pulling teeth to get people to sign up, I'm like, I think I made $4 an hour by the time I was done, right? So, and to, and, and to be able to think like that too. I think that's, especially for female entrepreneurs, be like, it's okay to want that paycheck. Yeah. Right. It's it's one hundred percent fine to want that paycheck when you're bringing someone, uh, bringing people value. You need to get paid for that. Um, exactly. So I ended up hunkering back down. I rebranded my my company to Work Smart instead of Craftivity Events, and I started applying creativity to things that that corporations 
found value in, team development, leadership training. And so now what I do is I go into companies and we might teach a topic like um, a leadership topic, like um, building trust as a leader. And I will come in, we'll, we, we, do, we have our frameworks that we teach, um, the principles that we teach all through a creative lens. And for that one, the creative lens is with a spoken word artist. And it's mind blowing when you get a group of people in the room from the corporate world and ask them to write a poem and give them the structure and the time to, the beautiful words they come up with. It's just really incredible. I mean, it really, it really um, solidifies for me the message I bring, which is we are all creative, right? Mm -hmm. We're all creative. Good ideas can come from any level of your organization. And by bringing these creative tools to leadership training, team development, what we're doing is um, allowing everyone to have a, share their voice in a way that makes sense for them. Um, and it gets people to share ideas that they wouldn't normally share. I really agree with you when it comes to, you know, the corporate being almost a stagnant feeling. I've had the opportunity to work for small businesses, startup businesses, and then I have worked for a corporate style company that was a large, uh, I believe they were about like 300 million, 500 million in between that range uh, company. And the differences of how it feels, you kind of feel like you're just another piece to the cog, right? And, right. and really like you do matter. Um, it's hard to sometimes see in corporate. And so I love that you have been able to be able to bring out that sense of creativity because it's creativity is not always just for becoming an entrepreneur, right? Like we, we may want to elevate and scale up within the corporate, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we, and everybody has their own place in, in the world and whether they want to become an entrepreneur or they enjoy their, you know, nine to five and, and working for a corporate company, but we all are built with a sense of creativity yes. and we have to be able to feel comfortable to share that. And I think the problem with like the, you know, people kind of like, will say, Oh, you're just happy with your nine to five, or you feel like that's a, you know, a sense of security. I feel like there is like a happy balance between the two but the problem is, is that we spend about 70% of our lives working. And so you are a product of your environment in your workspace. So bringing people and company or, you know, individuals like yourself in, into environments that are a, much more starchy and maybe not as creative in, mm -hmm. its, in its company culture you know, bringing that out is going to have so much satisfaction and, and be able to say, I have this sense of uh, releasing this creative side yeah. of who I am. And then they're going to be their best selves as an employee for your company. So I think the whole Absolutely. idea is really, um, you know, innovative and revolutionary of how to make people feel like they have a sense of place in their, in their yeah. company and the cult in their culture. But you know, this could really be very applicable for small businesses 
And do you work with small businesses as well? Yeah, I work with all size businesses because, and I, and you know, people like as I was running, starting my business, running my business, people are like, well, what's what what's your your niche? Like, who's your target market? And it's very hard for me to say because the fact is, I work like my work is in the fact in creativity, and guess what? We are all creative, and all size businesses need creativity. So it was mm-hmm. really hard for me to say exactly who my target market was. What the the clients who generally I'm I'm working with are larger clients or um or startups, right? Like like maybe three or four years in the business where they're starting to see um a lot of transition because they've now promoted people into managerial and leadership roles who were good at sales and they were there for long enough. They just got promoted. But what they're mm-hmm. seeing is that they don't have the the leadership skills and they're seeing a lot of attrition. Um but yeah, so I I'm I'm very much someone who likes to work with everybody. And, mm-hmm. and when I do a, I still do all my sales calls, like at least my initial sales calls or consultative calls, like to, I call explore expiration calls. And, and yeah, and, and, and clearly I've learned, I mean, we, we talk about money too. I've clearly learned like, this is my pricing. And that was some, that's something I really had to work on too. And just be very comfortable saying my pricing. Um, but of course, like what Google is going to pay me, is very different than what I will charge a mom and pop shop for, right? Yeah. And I and I have it because it's my own company. I have that flexibility. Yeah, well, it's true because even for my company, it's like there are jobs that we get, and then there are jobs that we love. You know what I mean? Like the the yeah. bread and butter of what yeah. we do, but but we still love working with everybody. That's right. Right. And, and it's just a very you know it can be almost a different relationship, a different dynamic. Um, in and how that looks but it's still it's like allows you that flexibility of being able to say okay well we love working with everyone but we do need x y and z to be able to keep paying the bills keep me moving things forward and keep being extremely profitable um but you know then it allows you to really focus on the companies as well maybe the smaller companies that you're like i see huge potential here. Now I really mm-hmm. want to dive in and work with those that matter because there are people that, I mean, I've actually been a part of it where I worked for a, a small business and they would try to bring in um, some people to be like motivational. But the problem was, is that the owner of the company was um, not the company culture. So he was trying to like mask it over. Right. So it was like, as much as that person kept trying to inspire people, bring them up to leadership. Right. He was the, you know, they were the, you know, cognitive of the, that role and it really didn't matter. And so I feel like, you know, if you could see people, you know, within their business and say, you know, I really think that this will really benefit your business and and really make a difference because I feel like you really want to make a difference you're like I'm not just here for the paycheck you know it's like yes the money matters but you really want to make a difference and impact people um and 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 I become more confident with that too right like when I I think about my my business development skills in the beginning it was because it was all a theory for me it was just like creativity brings so much to my life and it's really helped me in in solving problems and just being more confident in, in decision-making. Um, and, and, and I, it was a theory. I'm like, okay, we're all creative. So um, good ideas can come from any level of your organization and creativity is good for business. Like I just, 
it was almost like a feeling, right? A calling, like this is like what I felt. And in, and in applying my process in different companies and seeing the benefits and hearing back from people about the benefits that creativity has brought into their professional and personal life, like now I am, now it's no longer theory, it's fact. And mm -hmm. I, and, and it's a lot easier for me to go out there now and be like, this is what I do. This is the value in what I do. And I, and, and it is making an impact. Yeah. So I want to kind of touch back on, you had made a comment um, yeah. saying that you were raised with knowing if you do the hard work, the hard work's going to pay off, but that you didn't have that mindset of the encouragement part, right? That empowering mm -hmm. How did you make that bridge? Like, what did you do? Because it sounds very evident that you have now this, you know, understanding that it takes hard work, but that you have to self-motivate because if you didn't have that, when you were hitting those, you know, $4 paychecks after, you know, doing your backyard events, you probably would have been <laughs> like, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm tapped out. Maybe this isn't meant for me. That was great. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how hard you work, right? Yeah. You're not going to get that. But you have this mindset, I'm going to keep doing it. I know I can. Mm -hmm. What What was it? Was there something that helped you transition or not necessarily transition, but bridge those two together? I mean, as you're asking this question, as you're talking, the one word that came to me was purpose, right? Like, I, it was just like this, what I do, this idea of bringing creativity into the workplace um, the purpose of the, and the purpose of that was so meaningful to me that there was no stopping, right? And I think the confidence came little by little in just living out that purpose. So I don't, it, I don't think there was like a, 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 a moment of, of thinking like I'm, I'm going to act confident or I'm going to be confident or I'm going to gain confidence. Mm -hmm. It was literally just, I think purpose came first. And then taking small steps to um, to live into that purpose and then seeing results that this is what you see now is a result of, of that. Right. Yeah. But but what kept me going in those moments of like, oh, my gosh, like three people signed up for this workshop that I've been planning for three months is yeah. that is the is purpose. And I would say what kept that purpose go and what kept me going when I think back. And this is a great question because it's really making me think back is that the people I surrounded myself with believed in me. Yeah. Like, and I'm talking like my friends, my, like the people that I, I shared, um, that I shared this with, they believed me. And there were some people who laughed at me, right? There were some people who weren't supportive, but I chose not to listen to them, right? I chose to not have, because you're always going to have those, those negative people in your life who, who mm -hmm. are naysayers. So there were enough people who I respected in my life that kept, told me to kept going, to, to mm -hmm. keep going, um, that that's, those are the voices I listen to. Well, that's so powerful because it is hard to find people who are going to be that encouraging voice for you. But when you do have them, um, you got to cling on to them and stay focused on that because it's really easy to have that one naysayer that seems to be the one that like you listen to oh, yeah. the most. Right. And right. You know, we can all fall victim to those feelings of, you know, embarrassment almost, so to speak, like you feel embarrassed, like, Oh, they're laughing at me or whatever. And then you feel discouraged, but you know, you got to pay attention to the people who, are there in your corner who believe in you. 
And um, that's, you know, I, I believe that there's always at least one person who's there who believes in you. And um, you got to stay close to that one person and not listen <laughs> to anybody else. Right. Speaking of that, though, who would you say has been maybe two people that you would say has been the most influential in your life to help you get to the this place where you are today? Um, well, I, when, when you ask that question, I mean, the first people I have to say is my mom and my dad, right? Mm-hmm. And not, not in the sense, again, like not in the sense that they were like encouraging, yes, leave your full-time job and pursue this work in creativity. No, that's not what they said, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but their influence throughout my life in terms of like that, that idea of, of being unstoppable, knowing that your hard work will pay off. And, um, and again, they were very strict Vietnamese, you know, parents. Um, and even though in their words, they weren't very encouraging, they always were supportive, right? Whether I fell, like I, like whether I fell down flat on my face or did well, they were always there for me. So what keeps you, what keeps you passionate? Cause you have mentioned that a couple of times or, mm-hmm. you know, that you purpose, what yeah. is it that you feel like drives you? Uh, the value I'm bringing, right? Like I, when I when I hear back from clients about the fact that they are there, even things like oh, I'm more creative, my kids now. You know, I take time and and we walked along to the beach and we picked up rocks and we we painted them. Or mm-hmm. um, or when a client says, you know, when a when a client says, I speak up more in meetings now, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of our work is is giving people a way to share their voice and. We talk about how introverts are very different than extroverts, and 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 our, and our business world is built for extroverts. So some of the tools we teach around creative problem solving is how do you create a space for everyone to have a chance to share their voice? And I think that type of that type of work is again when I first started, it was like let's bring arts and crafts supplies into the workplace for fun. Mm-hmm. And really, what I found that the value of my work is is that creativity allows everyone to share their voice. Um, and especially those people who weren't able to before, didn't have a pathway before to yeah. share their voice in the, at the workplace. So that's really powerful when you talk about people integrating their family into what they learned, because like we talked about earlier, you spend a very large percentage of your life in your work family, right? Whether mm-hmm. you work remotely or you work in an office, you are still working with people or a company and that culture and that dynamics. And I am someone who fully 100% believes that you are who you are in business, you are in personal, like your personal life. So if you improve yourself on so many different levels in your business aspect or your career and you better yourself, you better yourself as a leader, you're going to be a better partner. You better yourself as a leader, you're going to be a better parent. You know, if you have the ability to, you know, pull out those special things about you, like you had mentioned, you know, somebody had, you know, brought to your attention that they're more creative with their child. Like they mm-hmm. learn that in the workspace to improve yeah. their personal life. And that is amazing because that is your full life. Like from beginning to end, it's, you know, you work, you go home, you're with your family and that's, and you want to be happy from that moment to when you get home. And that is right. like, think what everybody wants to achieve that ultimate happiness 
Um, yeah, and I love that too. Because like, almost thinking about the workday, I was like, what can I, what can I, what value can I bring from my workday into my home? Mm-hmm. Right, rather than like being like a, an, an energy sucker, like like you know yeah. when when you're working all day, you want to you know I think a lot of people suffer from that. Like they work all day and they come home drained, mm-hmm. rather than what did I gain in work today, where that I can bring home to bring value. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that's amazing. I could chat with you about this all day, <laughs> but um, before we end this interview, I'd love for you to share with the audience, um, the listeners, you know, where they can find you because maybe they want to have you come in and help yeah. them out with their workspace. Well, that brings me so much joy. I love, I love bringing my work into, or- into new organizations. I am always on LinkedIn. I joke that I've built myself a new, another little house on LinkedIn and you can find me under my name, Van Lai Dumone or at Work Smart Advantage on LinkedIn. Um, I also have a monthly newsletter called Curious About Creativity. So if you're not ready to bring me in yet, just if you're curious about what, how, create, how you can apply creativity into the workplace, you can go to my website at worksmartadvantage.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. And that's where you'll be getting some announcements too on a new digital course I'm creating. Um, I'll be doing more generalized leadership training in this, in these digital courses, but I'm starting off with um, women's workshops, like women in the workplace. And again, it's all through a creative lens, but over the last couple of years, just serendipitously, I've, um, I've been approached by several women's organizations to create workshops around empowering women in the workplace and helping women rise in the workplace. And, and it's, it's brought me a lot of joy. Like there's something about a group of women gathering that's so powerful. That's amazing. You know, Vaughn, that you're another wonderful example that you can create a successful monetizing business that helps people, right? We don't have to yes. seek out just the dollar. We all want to be able to have financial means to support ourselves and have that freedom. But you can literally build a business that not only makes you feel satisfied and happy and provides for your family, but it changes people's lives. So thank you yeah. for that. I'm so grateful to know you. And thank you again for sharing your unstoppable story. And well, thank you for having me on. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode at the Unstoppable Podcast. We do have exciting news. The Unstoppable Business Manifestation Journal is now available. You can find us on Amazon or on our website, unstoppablemediallc.com. Check us out. It's a perfect journal for you to create and manifest your business goals and dreams into reality.